This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Good morning. Let's, uh, I'm going to turn us to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah lived about 700, 750 years before Jesus. And I'll read you the, the text and we'll pray and, and ask God to be with us, right? It says, when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king Rezin of Aram, and Pekah, son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out, you and your son, Shear Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the son of Ramaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Ramaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Ramaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. Let's pray. Lord God, penetrate into our hearts and reveal yourself to us today to such a degree that we see you more and more clearly, that you remove the darkness and we see your love in our lives and that we are so overwhelmed by that love that we worship you with all of our hearts and that we share your love with one another, with our community, and with our world. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Have you ever asked God for a sign? I think most of us have. Right, at one time or another. And in fact, I think that there are a lot of unbelievers, people who don't believe in God, who've actually asked God for a sign. God, which job should I take? God, God, which college should I go to? God, should I I purchase this house? 
God, show me who I should marry. I remember when I was a freshman in college, I went to a friend's house who lived in Minnesota for the weekend, and, and he had a, a, a girl cousin named Lynn, and, and Lynn and I hit it off pretty good, you know? And we did a lot of things together that weekend, and as a, as a college guy, for me, I looked forward, forward to the time where I would get married and, and have kids and, and all that kind of thing. And, and so uh, that weekend, I prayed to God, and I said, God, you know, the girl that I marry, Let's have her name be Lynn, okay? Yeah. And, you know, I was pretty chill about it because I go, God, it doesn't have to be this Lynn, but she is right here, you know, and I'm right here, so, but you go ahead, God, you do you, right? So uh, Lynn and I never dated, uh, but we always had a good time and all that stuff when we got to, together. But throughout college and, and through sem, uh, seminary, I was, that, that prayer was always in the back of my mind, you know. And so I meet a girl and it's like, how are they, do, they, how are they doing on this Lynn test thing, you know. And then when I'm at, at seminary, that, that same friend that I went to his house in Minnesota... He was on his intern year, um, you know, studying to be a pastor. And I went to visit him and encourage him along the way. And on that very first Sunday that I was there to, to be there for him and encourage him, I met a girl and her name was Jackie, <laughs> right? So it's like, okay, you know, what are, you know, it's, it's you, God, you know. And Jackie was just wonderful, amazing. You know, she could handle me, put up with me, all that kind of stuff. Super blessed. And so as, as most all of you know, Jackie is the one that, that God brought to me to be my wife. And I am so, so blessed. Uh, I realize that more and more every day. Um, and just so you know, her middle name is Lynn. <laughs> 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 Have you ever asked God for a sign? Uh, you know what my, my fear is, is, is that we ask God for, for signs and he gives them to us and we just don't see it, right? They're, they're right there, but, but we don't see it. One of my, my favorite signs that I've seen is this one. If you're looking for a sign from God, this is it. Victory's a, a great place to get to know Jesus uh, and what he's done for us and what he's done for the whole world. Well, today we're continuing our series, as Pastor Ben mentioned, that we started last week, Light in the Darkness. And, and we're going to go back to that Old Testament book, that prophet Isaiah. And even though Isaiah lived like that 700, 750 years before Jesus, through his words, we're going to see what is God giving you this year for Christmas. Okay, so let's, let's jump in and look again at verse 10. It says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. Wow. What an opportunity, right? God goes, you go ahead. You ask for a sign. You have whatever you want. Nothing's too big. Nothing's too small. You ask for it. I will come through for you. 
That's amazing, right? Can you imagine if our kids got that kind of, uh, you know, promise at this time of year, ask for whatever you want and it's yours. Imagine if we could do that as adults. This promise was especially important. Um, considering the setting, maybe you'll remember from that reading that I had uh, this, this promise, of, I ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you, uh, was given to Ahaz, who was king of a country called Judah. And what was going on was Judah was about to be attacked by two different countries and uh, it wasn't gonna be good. Hmm? And so now this is, what the scripture says, starting in verse two of Isaiah seven. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Okay. So the people understand they were shaking in their sandals. Right? For you and me, we're just reading this black on white or up on the screen and stuff. For them, for them, this was real life. The countries that were about to invade them were right there. They were bigger. They were stronger. They were sleepless at night. This was a big, big burden. This was overwhelming to them. And the scripture goes on. Be careful. Keep calm. And we thought that was a slogan that we came up with. Right? Long time ago. Be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. Because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the son of Ramaliam. Aram, Ephraim, and Ramaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tobiel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. But God's promise also comes with a warning. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Okay, so King Ahaz and the people of Judah, they were in a desperate situation. Oh, how they needed a sign, how they needed assurance that it was going to be okay, that they were going to be okay, that they weren't going to die, that they weren't going to lose their territory. And so God comes and he says, just go ahead. I'm here for you. Ask whatever you want. Nothing's too big. Nothing's too small. You ask for whatever it is. I will come through with you for you. I will show you what you want. I will give you the sign, whatever you ask for it, because I'm here. I'm going to protect you. I love you. I care for you. I'm here for you. Just ask and I will assure you. Shockingly, stunningly, this is Ahaz's response to that request, that promise of ask for whatever you want. This is what he says. He says, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Are you kidding me? You know why he doesn't ask? Because he's already got his mind made up what he's going to do. He, he's faking piety here. He's faking faithfulness. 
He doesn't ask because he's already got this scheme. He's already got this plan in mind. What he's going to do is he's going to go into the temple of God, the God who asked, who told him, ask, you know, ask whatever you want. I'll give it to you. He's going to go into that God's temple, the true God's temple. He's going to take the gold and the silver out of it, the money out of it. And he's going to go to Assyria, the then world power of the day and bribe the king of Assyria to be his ally. What could go wrong? Ask the world power of the day to be with you instead of God. What could go wrong? Think of it this way. It's like King Ahaz and Judah. They're like a little mouse. Okay, and the two countries that are are, are gonna invade them, they're like really big rats. And the king of Assyria and Assyria, they're like a really big tomcat. What could go wrong? When the little mouse goes over there with all this bribe uh, to the tomcat, what could go wrong? Ahaz goes to the king of Assyria, you know, here's this money, be my ally. There's these big rats, will you go take care of them? And of course, Assyria does that. But understand, there'll be a day where that very same tomcat is going to take care of the mouse too. That's happening into the future. But into this point in time in history, when Ahaz says, no, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to put the Lord God to the test. God comes to him and says, even though you won't ask for a sign, I'm going to give you a sign. Because I want to assure you, even though you are rebelling against me, I am still a God of mercy and grace. And so I am going to give you a sign. It is going to be an unmistakable sign. It is going to be a sign that you and everybody, you could put your heads all together and you would never, ever come up with this because this sign is so unmistakable, so remarkable, you won't be able to miss it. In fact, this sign is so remarkable, so unmistakable that it was good for not only way back then, but it's actually good for you and me today, true for you and me today, and it will be true for eternity. It's an unmistakable sign. Here it is. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. What is God going to give you this Christmas? A sign. The sign of a virgin birth. The virgin birth is an unmistakable sign. Who would have ever thought of it? And as, as we dig down into this text, I want you to know this, just in case someone brings it up. The, the word for, for virgin here in the, in the original language, it does really just mean, just mean young woman. This word, scholars tell me, is used a total of six times in the Old Testament. And every time it means young woman who is still a virgin. The Jewish people knew that because when they translated the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek about 200 BC, 
the translators use the Greek word that does mean virgin. And when the angel Gabriel came to Joseph and said, don't be afraid about taking Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her, the Holy Spirit doesn't say is from another man, but is from the Holy Spirit. See, the virgin birth is the sign. A a non-virgin birth would not be a sign. That's happened billions of times. The virgin birth is a sign. And here's why that's important. Because it means that Mary is going to be the biological mother of Jesus. It also means then that Joseph is not going to be the biological father of Jesus. It means then that the the baby that is born to Mary is going to be 100% man and 100% God. And that's important because if the baby born is just 100% man, then that man, that human being cannot forgive sins and cannot offer and give eternal life to people like you and me. Now, like King Ahaz, we have enemies who threaten us, who want to darken our lives. One of those dark things that can happen in our lives is that feeling of being unseen. And maybe you can remember back to a a time in grade school or, or middle school or high school where you felt like you were unseen. There was all this activity going around and you were kind of like on the outside. You were unseen. Maybe as a a small child, your, your parents were so busy that you felt like you were unseen. Maybe at work, uh, you're doing as best as you can. You're doing what is asked of you, but it, it's, it seems like you never get any recognition at all. You, you wonder, do, does anybody see my value? You feel like you're in the darkness of being unseen. And sometimes that happens inside of marriages too. Sometimes a spouse, sometimes even both spouses feel like they're unseen. Doesn't matter what they say, what they do. Just feel like they're, they're hidden in the darkness. And so they're not seen. Maybe another one of those, those enemies that we have that, that threaten us with darkness is it's the feeling of, of being overwhelmed, like with fear. And maybe in your life, you know, everything's going okay. Everything's good. And, and then you get this cough You don't think much about it, but it becomes a a persistent cough. And you go to the doctor finally, and the the doctor doesn't find anything. You go back home, but the cough keeps on sticking around. And you go back to the doctor a couple of months later, and, and you get this diagnosis that you've got the C word. And, and as bad as, as COVID is, we're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about cancer. And you become overwhelmed with fear. Maybe everything's going well in your family, or at least it uh, appears that way. The kids are happy and and different things like that. And then the phone rings. And it's the school. 
and they're asking you to come in for a meeting because not everything is okay with your son or your daughter. And your heart drops in fear. It may be your work. Things are humming along really well at work and, and you know, you're meeting the deadlines, the projects are being done, the company's growing, or at least it seems that way. And then you get an email at 4.58 on a Friday afternoon. And the email is a company-wide email that says layoffs are going to start in the middle of January. And this fear comes upon you. You think you have it all under control and then something changes and fear strikes. Now, maybe, maybe you're finally finding a way out of the, the financial situation you're in. You're, you're getting ready to make progress. You're just right there. And then with the cold snap, your furnace doesn't work. And you go out to your car and you turn it on and the check engine light suddenly comes on. And you're overwhelmed with fear. What am I, I going to do? And then all of us, we have the darkness of sin and temptation. And the temptations come and they just batter us. And, and sometimes the temptations aren't all that bad. They're the same temptations maybe, but they're not all that bad. And it's just like such a relief because they're just not beating on us so hard. And, and life is easy, but then those same temptations take on a whole nother weight. And it's just so oppressive and it's so dark and it's so hard. And then you fall into sin and you're going to yourself, did, with that sin, did I step away from God? Did I remove myself from God and his grace? What is God going to give you this Christmas? A sign? The sign of a virgin birth and the gift of God with us. Let's go back into God's word. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. The sign is the virgin birth. The gift is God with us. 100% God, 100% man with us. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is calling us out of the darkness of the unseen, out of the darkness of fear, out of the darkness of sin, death, and Satan. He is with you every step of the way, no matter what. You have the sign, the virgin birth. Now you have the gift, God with you, no matter what. Psychiatrist John Rosen's known for his work with patients with schizophrenia. Instead of, of meeting with them one-on-one, -on -one, like once a day or once a week or whatever that might be look like, he moved in to the psychiatric ward 
with his patience. The kind of bed they slept on is the kind of bed that he slept on. The food they ate is the same food he ate. When they talked, he talked. When they were quiet, he was quiet. What Dr. Rosen did was he would hug his patients. He loved them. And so often the patients, the, the first words that came from out of their mouths were, thank you. They just wanted to be noticed. They just wanted to be accepted. They just wanted to have someone with them to love them. In an even much greater way, that's what Jesus did. He came down into our world. He made his bed with us. He provides everything that we need. He's God with us. And he hugs us. And he welcomes us. And he accepts us, even though he knows about all the darkness, right? He accepts us. He loves us. He is gracious and merciful to us. He's calling us out of the darkness. He's walking with us through the darkness, lighting the way. You see God with us? That, that doesn't just stop in the manger. It's not just a cute little baby story. It's a real everyday life story for you and me. God with us, no matter what, no matter what you're going through, God is with you. You have the sign, the virgin birth. You have the gift now. God is with you. I want you to know one other thing is that not only is God with you, every step of the way, he actually did take one step in front of you. And he went to that wooden cross instead of you. He died the death that we deserve. In Isaiah, that same book, Isaiah later on says, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Paul in the New Testament says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you see, Emmanuel, God with us, is not only that, but he is on the cross, God instead of us, making full and complete payment for our sins, assuring us of our welcome, reception, and love before God. So here's the thing, okay? King Ahaz, he wanted to be in control. Know anybody like that? King Ahaz wanted to be in control, thought he had to take things into his own hands, thought that God was, was far away, was not near, and wasn't going to do anything anyway. We don't have to be like that because we have the sign and we have the gift. So the question I have for you now with the sign and with the gift is how is your life going to look different now? Knowing that God is with you. Let's pray. 
Jesus, thank you for becoming Emmanuel, God with us, so that we can have you every step of the way in our lives. Lord, sometimes, sometimes it's hard to find joy in the middle of the pandemic and the busyness of the season. But now knowing, being reminded that you are with us, let that renew our joy, our hope, and our cheer, and our love for you and for all people. Pray this in the powerful and saving name of Emmanuel. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.